Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is June 2nd, 2018. It's been a couple of months since I did a show. I'm really, really happy to um, be bringing on activist Mark Babbitts and uh, filmmaker T.J. Nilsson. Uh, just a little background uh, about these guys. Let's talk about Todd. Todd is a graduate of the film program at Full Sail University, currently works in New York City as a professional editor, working on advertisements, music videos, short films, and documentaries. The last stop is his first feature-length documentary, writing, producing, and directing it. The inspiration for the film came from his own experience as a teenager and as a graduate of the Elan program. Mark Babbitts uh, is from Chicago. He grew up in the 1970s, faced abuse and neglect from his adopted family in Chicago. And after numerous run-ins with the law, an Illinois court placed him in the Elan Treatment Center. Interesting that the court placed you there. Uh, Treatment Center in Parsonsfield, Maine. After only a year in his treatment, he was removed by the state of Illinois when reports of physical and mental abuse were revealed by an Illinois investigation team. Mark went on to form the core campaign group with Matt Hoffman and a few other Elan, Elan alumni in 2009. And through their efforts and the use of social media network, they were able to aid in the closure, wow, it's a big deal, of Elan School in 2011. Afterward, afterwards, he formed Elan Survivors, Inc. to help those affected by Elan seek the, um, I'm sorry, affected by Elan, and um, they affected the closure. Mark is also on the Maine's Missing Children's Alliance and the Maine Cold Cases, board of directors and works closely with several other survivor groups, including the Straits Inc. Survivors, Circle S Ranch, White House Boys of Dover School, along with several others. You're a busy guy, Mark. Um, Mark takes a firm stance in stopping institutionalized abuse. He has made national news for speaking the investigation of Phil Williams Jr.'s death at Elan in 1982. He and Matt Hoffman were vital in the production of documentary the last stop with the knowledge and the research they were able to contribute. Mark's mission is clear. Stop abusing kids for their behavior and solve their problems through love and care. Wow, that's intense. So uh, without any further ado, we will bring the guys on. Okay, here we go. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome to the show. Morning. Hi, Monica. Morning. Hi. Hey Monica. Welcome, welcome TJ. Welcome Mark. That's some uh, uh, that's some resume, Mark. Of activism. I think you were. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, maybe first, let's talk about the film. I'd like to help plug the film and and push it for you. So uh, maybe, um, whose idea was it to make it? Uh, so that would be me. Uh, Todd, okay, so what happened that you said to yourself, oh, I have to make a documentary? Uh, well, the, the, um, 
the troubled teen industry itself really hasn't been covered that much. Um, mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of our uh, one of the people in the documentary, and I you know pretty well probably uh, Maya Salovitz, is really one of the only people to really to that started to cover the industry publicly. Uh, she wrote a book about it, and she's done a lot of, a lot of talks about it. And her focus is an addiction, but something that that she felt needed to be exposed. But there were really documentaries on these facilities. Um, that really went into the nuts and bolts about how they worked. Um, right. So my goal with the film was to is to kind of explain to people how the program works and and what it was uh, because it's very hard to explain. Uh, so in creating the documentary, I wanted people to understand kind of what what people went through at the school, uh, what it felt like, um, and kind of give almost a rundown. Um, like a, almost a manual on how these programs work. Yeah, I would say you really did an effective job. I really want to congratulate uh, you both. Um, I saw the film at the Drug Policy Alliance, as we both know, uh, conference in Atlanta this summer. I'm so glad I went there and got to meet um, you guys and see the film because I've been following uh, the abuses of these schools, especially Alon, because people from this place used to come into a anti-AA blog and talk about it, right? So we, uh, the blog runner was from Maine and these these stories would come in and we would see these like just little videos of uh, reenactments or whatever and it was just like uh, mind-blowing. And I also really hated the Scared Straight movie in the 70s when it came out, you know, and remember talking to my AA sponsor uh, about it. Um, And those of you, if you're listening out there, and I just said an AA sponsor, I'm no longer a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I left in 2011, and I'm an activist um, exposing it. But anyway, um, I remember her asking me what what I thought about that documentary that Hollywood made and was praised for, and I was so pissed. And I was like, are you kidding me? That is so, you know, sick. That is abuse. That is... Like, really? That's what you think is a good idea to do to our teens? Right. And um, so anyway, um, and even as a stepper, I was like, that's outrageous. So uh, now how did you um, and Mark meet? Uh, we met, me and Mark and I met through Facebook. A lot of the, a lot of the film's production and pre-production and um, kind of the way I kind of put the film together was through Facebook. Uh, I really, I, I should have actually credited Facebook in the in the movie credits because um, if it wasn't for the groups um, on Facebook where people can get together and meet and talk right. about their um, then this would not have been possible. And I agree. It was, it was really, yeah, it, and uh, it was really a great because I I would have never met Mark. I wouldn't even know he existed or any of the, the, the other people that went to that None place. of us, none of us would know we were around. Nobody would know anybody because there was really, before Facebook came out in places like MySpace, there was no way of to, to really connect at a level to where you could speak and get together on stuff. It was, it was like, you know, you set up smoke signals and nobody would see them until those devices came out. And, and Todd's absolutely 100% correct. That is our biggest resource. And they do do it at big things. Yeah. Wow. So you want to give us uh, maybe a little background, Mark, with you? I mean, I read your background and bio, but just please talk about your background if you want to, or just jump into where you became an activist, which whatever you'd like to speak about. First off, uh, first of all, I, I, I got to thank Todd, and I want to thank you for putting us on the air, but definitely Todd, because he came along some years back, well, bounced five years ago, and Matt Hoffman, we were out there fishing around, and we had prior people to want to do documentaries and stuff like that. Well, Matt and me have been researching this for 16 years, so if anybody's got the book on a line, we own it. Wow. And wow. uh, EJ was the only one that came along with really honestly any credibility. He's an honest, he's probably one, and I've met a lot of people. I, I bounty hunted for years and I tracked people for years. He has got to be one of the most honest, just straightforward guys I've ever met. You know, he has a, he has a big credit to him as that. He, he's, he's honest. And when Matt and me saw that there was honesty ready to be presented, we dived in head first. And, right. and, and I, I think, for listening to us and, and allowing us help help make the documentary with them. You know, as far as my background, I grew up in the seventies and back in the seventies and the sixties, you know, there really was no treatment for adolescents. So the next step was institutions of some sort. A lot of them were boarding schools. A lot of schools started in nineteen seventy. Joe Ritchie came out of a 
uh, a drug abuse, substance abuse program, because all this stuff originated from AA, and most people don't realize that. It all started out with Charles Dietrich and Synanon and all these other things, Korean brainwashing. And if someone was to take time and look at Synanon and actually understand what it means and what it is, you would see Elan. It's all peer pressure. It's all it is. And Elan was licensed when I was there under drug and substance abuse and alcohol abuse. They were not a behavioral modification or license. That's one of the big reasons Illinois did finally pull us out. Um, courts, they would sentence you there. It was like a, a lightweight boot camp. They advertised it with, with uh, canoes and hunting and fishing and boats and will change the wow. boy's life around and make them think differently. And I'll tell you what, Parsonsfield made you think differently, <laughs> by all means. I mean, I thought people beaten, killed. It's just all kinds of stuff happening in that place. It's, just, it, it's, it's something that you would think you're lying about until you lay the facts on the table and people can't dispute it. Why did it go on wow. for so long? You know, they had a state representative at the time. He was Secretary of State. Bill Diamond has worn many hats in the state of Maine. Has always had influence and power. Well, Joe Ritchie always had money. Well, hand in yeah. hand, they both go to. And that's why Bill Bill Diamond, you know, in fact, is, is listed as a liaison of the Elan School to this date. He still uses them in their in his in his resume, which is beyond my understanding. And well, Maine just closed the eye. They close a blind eye to. To open up the box, Monica, causes too many heads to roll. They just won't do it. They just mm-hmm. won't do it. A lot of states won't do it. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Was, is it in your film where it shows that uh, Princess Diana and, um, uh, well, of course, you know, it was the, the Reagan administration and Nancy Reagan with the whole say no to drugs, but they were supportive. Like these politicians were, yeah, like these were good programs, of course, and then Hollywood goes and makes stupid movie, but go ahead. yeah. All right. So you, I'll give you for instance, I'll give you for instance, Mel Sembler, he ran a place called Straits Incorporated out of Florida. And they had several other locations in some other States in Dallas and, and Florida. The place was brutal. It was, it was almost as bad as the line, except they lacked the, the, the violence of it. The actual boxing wow. rings and people get beat up, but that was ran by Mel Sembler. Mel Sembler went on to be the ambassador to Italy. Okay. And oh Mel Sembler was like rubbing elbows with all of them. Uh, Mitt Romney owned properties with Bell Sembler that these institutions were on. I mean, there's, it goes so deep and so broad that nobody wants to say nothing. To this day, Mel Sembler still wanders around like nothing ever happened, in spite of the fact. And he's big on the drug campaigns. He's heavy on that. Send him all to prison. He, he is a guy here who never looks at his resume. His resume shows his institutions were closed down due to abuse, not because he got well, tired of having them. Him and right. Newton Miller got ran out of business, just like Elan. We ran them out of business. We started exposing what really goes on there and the fact that Elan was investigated literally every year for something and how the state of Maine never found anything. Well, Monica, if I call you up and tell you I'm going to inspect your station, you're going to yeah. clean it up. That's not an inspection. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's how right. Elan ran. Right. right. Yeah, it's, also, uh, it's, it's important to know that, you know, the way that these programs kind of started was through the drug um, the, the drug war policies that were put in place, um, yeah. and uh, you know, that—that's how they kind of escalated. I mean, sitting on that was kind of that was way before that. But once the drug war started catching on, people knew they could make a lot of money off, um, you know, fixing addicts, especially especially kids. Um, then the the programs took off, and these places were very fashionable back back in the day. They're starting to to kind of taper off now. But back in the 80s and the 70s, when Mark was alive and when he was in the program, these were these were all over the, the country, and they still are. They still are. The, uh, TJ, are you are you on a, a cell phone? I just want to talk about like you know production because you are a little. Um, you sound like you're a little bit in a I don't know in a tunnel or something. Um, are you on a cell phone? Hey, can you hear me better now? Yes, but, like I'm on a landline when I do this, but I have my cell phone. But yeah, it's a little bit. It's better now. So I, I want people to hear every word you say. So I just, yeah, yeah, it's a little better. I'm talking to you through the computer through Google Voice. So if that's, but I'm just getting closer to the mic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it does sound like it's a computer that you're coming through. All right. Well, um, we'll we'll work with it. Now I want to just talk about. I could call you back on a regular phone. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Just call okay, right back. I'll, I'll, I'll call back in. Okay. 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 See you in, see you in one minute. Okay. Um, so, Mark, uh, one of the things I, I do want to promote it, and where let's we can talk about when he comes in 
um, any awards, where it's played, where it's going to be played, and um, the film, and how can someone see it and buy it? You know, I think it's so important with the film uh, before it gets main, you know, distribution. Well, Todd has all that information, basically. He's, he's done some modifications with the productions of it, and I'll get it out a little bit more, um, things like that. Todd, truly, he handles the film aspects of it, all the distribution. Oh, That's here what he, he is. Does. Okay. Handle, right. Yeah, I we'll talk about that. Search, stuff uh, like hi. that. Is that better? Yeah, that, that's a lot better. Okay. okay. All right. So what I thought I'd like to do now, we're like just 15 minutes in, is let's talk about your success with the film and where people can see it and any awards that you've won, and then we'll go back into, you know, the activism and the whole part of it. So if you can tell us, TJ, where someone can buy it, where it's played, and where it will be playing. So right now the film's available to stream uh, through our website, thelaststopfilm.com. Uh, and you can go there and purchase it and view it online. Uh, right now we're currently working on getting DVDs out for people that still use and still want to watch DVDs. Um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that's, that's the best way to see it right now. Uh, we won Best Documentary at Kew Gardens Film Festival. Uh, we've been oh, in fantastic. about three film festivals so far, and, um, and uh, it's been great. The reaction has been, has been really good. And distribution? Uh, well, Do you have uh, any any uh, conversations going on with distribution to get it on mainstream main, main you know streaming like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon? Uh, that's that's next. Right now, I'm I'm focusing on fulfilling. You know, a, a lot of people helped with the film, um, and a lot of people helped fund the film. So I want to make sure that everybody that uh, wants to see it can see it. Um, so right now, I'm self distributing it. Uh, so people can can get their hands on it, but you know, in the future, we're gonna we're gonna work on that next. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, maybe I have. I'm thinking about somebody I could introduce you to. That if they can, yeah, they great. will. You have a great great film, and so we'll we'll talk after uh, we hang up, and I'll give you um, her information. Uh, all right. So let's go back to this horrific uh, stuff that was going on. Um, now, uh, the, one of the things I found fascinating was. Uh, the location, and I was like, "Wow, this looks like the real place." So, can you talk talk about the location? Well, the, the locations were purposely done that way because in the state of Maine, when they were hunting around for places to open, they started out in Boston, and Massachusetts regulations were just out of line for them. Then they tried New Hampshire; that didn't work out very well. Connecticut was not even a, even a consideration. Well, Maine, the old West, be north. Um, anything flew in that state. You know, the population of the state of Maine, people, they have to realize, is only a million three. Yeah. Chicago's 2.6. So, I mean, it's a very, it's, it's very geographically, it's 30,000 square miles. It's a big place, but very few people. And yeah. it was a great place to go. And these places were all isolated. They're old hunting lodges, uh, Parsons Field, an old sanatorium up in the mountains um, where the people went to die with mustard gas poisoning and things like that. Uh, Waterford was another one that was kind of... Really? So they wanted, Thank goodness. They wanted... Oh, Parsons Field. I, they, I was in a dungeon in that place. They locked me in a dungeon. You, see, you can see pictures on the web pages. Where, uh, yeah, three months I spent in a dungeon down there. Just me, God, and the rats. It was unbelievable. Wow. But Holy that, that, that shit. Was, oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry. Swearing. Try not to swear. Monica, oh, my God. <laughs> just to prove it. Got pictures to prove everything else. <laughs> right. Not me in the dungeon, but I got a picture of the dungeon. There's many stories we'll tell you. The dungeon. See, these dungeons were created at Parsons Field to put the people with the mustard gas poisoning and the tuberculosis. When they started going crazy, they would lock them mm-hmm. in these cells. And these are old cells in the basement with granite stone foundation. Oh, man, it was just, yeah, I, I, I've learned a lot about life through it in those three months in that cell. But nonetheless, a lot of it was just, that's the, the purpose was seclusion. Because it, and, and, and Todd can tell you when he was there, when he was there, the place eased up a lot just because it had to. But it was 24 hours screaming and yelling of some sort, general meetings constantly. We had 260 people in the place in the 70s and 75, mm-hmm. five houses. And they would come together sometimes and any time of day or night, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, there was hunters. Everybody in the area complained because of noises and it scared off the wildlife. Wow. When I was in 75, I never saw an animal. And you're in one of the biggest hunting states in the country. You never saw an animal. You're lucky if you saw a squirrel go through a deer, beer, things like that. No, they're all afraid of noise, of course. And the place was 24-hour volume. It was like a concentration camp for all four yeah, and, and that was a very important part of the program is putting it in a place where where you're you're literally cut off from civilization. 
Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, Portland, Maine, like the biggest city in, in Maine, uh, was like an hour away. And we were like really like stuck back there in the woods. Um, so if you ran away, you were, you, there was no, first of all, there was nowhere to go. And second off, <clears throat> if you ran away, they were going to send people after you. And they caught you. It was very rare that people got away. And the trackers, if they caught you, ate good. Yeah. It was a very, if you very didn't bad. Catch the per- if you didn't catch the person, you would get in trouble. So. Oh, yeah. And God forbid, like for Liz Arnold, if you were the reason, God forbid, like Liz Arnold, if you were the reason somebody escaped, you got their, yeah. you got their punishment. Michael Skekel, when Michael Skekel, when Michael Skekel escaped from there, Liz Arnold was the one who forgot to lock the door. That's how Michael Skekel escaped. <laughs> you know, wow. the place was rough. And they beat Skekel half senseless from what I understand. I wasn't there. He came just after me. But they beat that kid senseless to get that confession out of him. That was so bogus. Anything that came out of a lie had to be a lie. Yeah, I'm not sure if people are are fully aware, but Michael Skakel, who's, I'm I'm sure, I'm sure your viewers have heard of the name or heard of him. Um, A big part of his, uh, he was accused of killing his neighbor. Um, A big part of that, of his, uh, of his um, uh, confession of, of his trial was that in Ilan, when he was sent to Ilan for alcohol abuse, he had uh, supposedly admitted to killing his neighbor, Mar- Martha Moxley. Um, so that was used against, against him in court. But the problem is, is it was it was forced out of him. They, they, they basically beat it out of him. Really? That's testimonies. That's the testimonies from the people that were there. And just us being in Ilan, we know the drill. I, I would confess to shooting Kennedy if I had to just to stop. I'd have told oh, yeah. you anything to get well, I told you anything, whatever you want to hear, because they broke you to a point where it was, it was, you, you had to just you, you just couldn't take it no more. And you're talking 15, 16 year old kids, 14 year old kids, say 17 year old kids. Kids, their minds are already weak to begin with. They don't know what to do but just try to save their own butts. And yes, I, I and any other situations. And I'm not defending Michael Skykel. I'm just saying in other situations, I might say who knows. But this situation, there's no way possible if the confession came out of there. And that's a big part of his testimonies, uh, is the, 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 the prosecution's testimonies were people from Milan. You know, this guy got railroaded like nobody's ever seen a railroad before. You know, and if you look at his case close enough, this guy didn't do it. There's no way possible. But we're not discussing Michael Skekel. He's just, he's just one of the collateral damages of Milan, though. I guess that's right, the best right. way to put it. You know. Oh, if, if we could talk about, so you've been at this for 17 years, Mark? Right, so that means you know the Ilan's been only closed for uh, seven years. Can you we want to tell us about how you? That's that's a, a lot of years of work. But if you could you know kind of give us a, a snapshot of how you got it closed. Well, we we just went straight at them. Ilan Ilan community was set up as a bully system, and bullies are not used to being bullied. So I, I drove to Ilan. I went to Maine. I took pictures. I did this. I did this. I I posted things. I, I went around town talking to people, basically poisoned the water all around them. That along with the Internet campaigns and, and Reddits and some of the other people that jumped in there really well helped us just, just kill them on the web because the day of computers took over. So parents, when they're looking for help for kids, they tend to go on computers now and research. Well, if you go right. to Ilan School or Ilan School Up, it was nothing but a horror story from the entry to, to the exit. So. You know, we just killed them. Just, just, just ran them out of business. Exposed yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, enforce what Mark is saying because it's funny the way that this film was created was through Facebook and through internet communities, but the way yeah. that Elon was shut down was also through internet communities. Um, yeah. So, and I, I thought that was one of the most special parts of the story was the people that had gone there and who had, uh, you know, felt injustice coming together and working to expose. Uh, what they went through. And these people were so brutal and haunted by their past that <clears throat> just your mere presence in town frightened them. Because at first I got really? a few threats out of it. And I said, you know, guys, if you want to play that role, just maybe think about who you're talking to. And then all of a sudden my problems all went away. Because I knew people, and I won't say the names, that also participated, not didn't participate, but went to the track and used it as a tool that were also family friends. So when it came time to me, I was kind of had like a hand passed over me to just leave him alone, whatever he wants to do. Just don't make a mess. And then I just went after Sharon Terry, what was left of the organization, and just disintegrated him on paper. We never broke yeah, the well, law. Yeah, well, Mark says, 
When Mark says track, by the way, um, the owner of Alan, Joe Ritchie, also owned a horse racing track uh, in Scarborough Downs, which was oh, yeah. a big, um, yeah. Wow, that's a big So he had a lot of money. That's big money to own a horse racing. Uh, oh, yeah, he was, he was loaded. Monica, you got Monica, you got to consider in 1975, they got $1,200 a head times 270 people. Parsonsfield had 85 people, and they're all of them were sentenced from Long Lane School, for the most part, out of Connecticut. So these people had a contract where judges would sentence you to Alon for a period of time. So as one would roll in and one would come in, you had a revolving door of hundreds of people all the time that were guaranteed money. It was just a check wow. from the state. So you got to do the math on that. Nineteen seventy-five, you could buy a brand new loaded-up Corvette for sixty-eight hundred bucks. Twelve hundred dollars uh, a month ahead, two hundred and seventy. That's a lot of money, man. That's a lot. Yeah, when I, when yeah, I, when it's I was a little there, bit it was like 50, the the court ordering, sort of like you, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with like the rehab and the sober living crud. And now I, I was shocked to find out, and my film was done too. And I was like in a courtroom a lot because of the two murders. I was watching those trials, and I, you know, in between, they'd bring guys in. Uh, you know, for quick sentencing. And I heard a judge say, uh, I'm sentencing you to such and such sober living. And I was like, what? What, yeah. what, what, what did I just hear? Like, no, no, like, this can't be. Like, I, I, it was almost like, no. Uh, and I was like, and, and I, ran, I ran after the guy, and I, I got up, you know, and we talked in the hallway. I was so shocked. And as we can see with the work that the Orange County Register has done for a year and down in Florida, and even if, but there, but this is like a precursor to it, you know. This is the courts are ordering young people to these things, and they were the sort of rehab, sober living that later evolved right into the AA things. But this is, was serious, serious like torture. Like the girl has doesn't she have tampons on her head in the in the picture? Yeah, that's Diane yeah. Barry. I was there with I was there with her. Yeah, that's Diane Barry. Yeah. Yep. So it, tell that us was about a, that was already humiliated people. It was, I mean, her, it was her birthday. Yeah. yeah. On her 14th birthday. Yeah. That was that was a real smooth move. And it was all because they had a they had a really screwed up septic system on the place. Well, the girls, being girls, used to flush the mice down the toilet while they'd clog it up. Well, right. one time the septic blew up, it got all kinds of problems. So they had a general meeting, and for some reason Diane got singled out of it. And they said, you can think, you know, flush, flush tampons down the toilet. We're going to make you a crown of tampons. That's what they did. They put ketchup all over her, and she had to walk around with those for about all three or four days. Yeah. Oh nice 14th. Wow. <laughs> She's still alive? Oh, yeah. I see Diane probably once, twice a year. She lives out in Rhode Island. She's yeah, got a lot of as far away as, as anyone that she can get, right? Is she like to live out far away from people? It was just a, it was just a place. Alana was just a place that left a lot of these people, I mean, really mentally shattered. You know, Diane, Mary O'Brien, there's a lot of people that just are still left just wandering around. It's sad because they're good people. Yeah, Ma- Mary O'Brien is a very tragic story. She's uh, she's yeah. one of the she's one of the focus focuses of the film because she was Mary had been diagnosed with autism, uh, semi-autism um, and uh, had a very grew up in a very abusive household. Uh, and she was also blind. <laughs> Literally oh, my blind. God. Not, yeah. Not and she was in a line for five years. Oh yeah. my no! She was the longest resident. Her and Doug Hanna, the other guy in the, the the other guy in the film that says his mom used to beat him and all that other stuff. That's right. Doug Hanna, and he was eight years because he burned down a a, a place when he was was locked up because they were going to rape him and beat him. You know, I mean, kids can't. There was all kinds of kids in there. It wasn't just somebody who ran away from home or smoked a little pot or didn't listen to their parents. There was a mixture right, right. of people. In right, right. And the right. the ages spread to twenty five when I was there, so it was. It was a weird cult. You had them from 14 to 25. And, and here you are, 15, me, 15, going, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a kid, a... In the 70s, though, they yeah. would do that in court. You had an option. You could go to prison. You could go to military. You could go to some type of uh, treatment center. Well, hell, you think a treatment center. That can't be so bad. So these, you know, like a dummy, <laughs> I picked treatment Yeah, well, I should have went yeah, to prison. Yeah, I think, I think prison or the, the, the military would be better. It would have been. But you ain't thinking that way yeah. when you're 15. You're thinking. Right, right. You think it's not? But you remember that case, guys, where the the two judges were sentencing people um, in in Philly, I mean in Pennsylvania, and the women. It was like of the first YouTube video that went viral of this type, where the mother was screaming at the judge because they were getting kickbacks for sending their kids to some kind of 
institutional like um uh, place where Kids they got forget. so much millions yeah. and millions in kickbacks and yeah. they went to prison. Those judge there was a trial. Oh, yeah. You think those would happen in California? I doubt it. People turn a blind eye to a lot of that stuff no matter where you're at in the country, really. I mean it's just it's a system it's a situation you don't want. Doctors used to get what they call the bird dog fee. If I send patients to you, you send me a couple bucks back. You know, it's it, it's always been that way. It's kind of, you know, it's just something we don't talk about. But it, is, it, is it right? No. But there's, sure, there's incentives to send people certain places. You know, of course there are. There's incentives to do any business. I don't care if you're buying hubcaps. There's an incentive to buy in 102. You know, it's, that's how life's always been, sadly. And we use it with our kids. Yeah, and, and, which is really- and a lot of these but, kids but, came but, from but, very... I mean, I guess the- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, TJ. Oh, I was going to say a lot of these kids came from very abusive situations prior to Alon, like Mark, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, thing, and 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 there were kids that were there that just might have like smoked a joint, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right. So the 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 range of of issues there was so extreme, and I met kids there that you know I I couldn't even I couldn't even fathom what they went through prior to coming to Alon because I, I mean, I did drugs, you know, I got kicked out of school, but there were kids there that were, you know, uh, molested by their parents. Um, and you know, some really tragic, horrible things. Yeah. um, And then they come there. And I grew up in an area of Chicago that was very wealthy. So I didn't come out of poverty by any means. My father was very successful, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily kids out of bad neighborhoods or kids out of any name, Long Island, Long Island is still high end. The area I grew up in is still high-end. It doesn't matter where you come from or how much money your parents have or the Mercedes in the driveway. It's it's really in the house. It's what goes on and what's tolerated. And, and it's just it's it's not right. And, and people have to look at it, I think. They, I'd like them to. You know, the only one that can stop this stuff are, are, are the people. Nobody else can. I can I can do whatever I want. Todd can make as many, you know. But no matter how many movies or conversations, people got to act on this stuff. It's important. And AA. Right, right. Let's, let's, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think as I posted I, I think, them in one post. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that uh, it's a really good point, and it was really powerful to meet you, uh, both of you, um, but I didn't know about TG before, but I knew about your blogging, and you and uh, Matt Hoffman, that to meet you and then realize, so people like to, like with the AA thing, they want to come with a lot of, you know, venting, which is important. Not everybody wants to be an activist or advocate or, you know, make change. And some people, you know, I, I hate to say, but some people just come on and complain because really people want to vent and need to vent in a safe place. So I've created many Facebook groups where, especially the deprogramming one, where people can do that, right? But with you, so let's talk about that, that, you know, um, this is something where people had to do something. You had to go to the state. Like I saw a picture of you. Where, let's talk a little bit about maybe some recent things, the successes you've had. I've been to the state capitol with uh, missing and murdered children. Phil Williams' campaign was another one. Phil Williams was beaten to death in a line. And we had all the witnesses. We had people that were there. Again, you run to this brick wall and the attorney general's officer. Nobody wants to do anything. Nobody. There were, there was cases up there where this girl was uh, uh, missing, but you could just see there was enough blood in the house. She was, I mean, I'm making a long story short. She was three years old, plenty of blood in the house, missing kid. Parents were both deadbeats. But, yeah, nobody ever went to jail. So they couldn't figure out who Oh, my God. So this, this is in Maine. In Maine. Her name's Ayla Reynolds. And if you read her you read her story, it's it, it's something you can say to yourself, well, how is this? There's got to be a pint and a half of blood now. The kid's three years old. How much, how much blood do you think this kid's got in her? It's all, all reasonable belief would believe that the kid would be dead. You know, there was blood in the pickup truck. There was this and that, but there was no Ayla. So you know, nobody looked, day, nobody investigated it? Is that what you're saying? Nobody investigated it? Yeah, they, they kind of panic until they get tired of it, and they let, they let it go away. So many of these cases up there, they basically wait till they just die. The families literally die, and then the case goes away. Who's and the attorney general of Maine? Um, oh, let me think real now. Uh, um, God, I I'm, I'm stumped. That's okay. <laughs> it's not important now. I just thought you might know off the top of your head because of what happened. Janet Mills. Janet Mills. Janet Mills is and, the attorney general. And how long has she been? She knew? Oh, she's been there a while. She's been there a few terms. You know, she's managed to hang in there. LePage, you, who, Governor LePage, who you would think would be sympathetic to this stuff because he was also a victim by so much of that, so much child abuse, but neglect. He was shuffled from one foster home to this foster home. He'd be a little more compassionate to kids, but he doesn't he seem to really care much about it. 
Um, really? Colonel, Colonel, Colonel Williams, the head of the state police, great guy, but then his hands get tied. I'm not going to say the state police didn't do a good job in their investigation, but they went as right. far as they could go with it. That's Janet Mills, period. You know, because I, I, and I, and I think it's because I've had conversations in depth with, with him and a couple of other investigators, and they never shut me off, never told me I was wrong, never told me I was crazy. Right. And, you know, you don't, you don't go to a state after 32 years and submit a bad death certificate that's not signed off properly and stuff like that and get a full-blown year-long investigation done if there, if there wasn't some meat on that bone. It's just, you know, they get to a point and that's it. They don't, you know, it, Maine is a, the best place in the world to kill somebody is Maine. <laughs> you know, you'll never get caught. Oh, no. It, it, oh, don't say that. This is a listening. Uh, but I, I do think that there are – yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that if you look at um, – wow, that, that's really a mouthful. You know, I mean, it's so shocking. When you – as you're going up – you know what this – go ahead. I'm sorry. They have bad stats. They, they have the highest um, um, reputation for human trafficking. They have the highest mm. incest rate in the country. Again, you're talking a million three people. That's not a lot of people, guys. It's not oh. a lot of people. And they live in these mountains and they live in small little worlds. And I'm not saying Mainers are bad people by any means. I'm not saying that. But yeah. there's a group like place that are bad that never get held never get held accountable. You know, in a lot of schools, a good example. High school, which is still running, is a good example of the state of Maine just not caring. Wait, 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 the good school that you were in is still, well, well, wait, well, back up here. Right. So the school well, that you were in is closed. There's yeah. a school up there called Hyde School, which doesn't run much far off the marks of Milan. Not so much the violence, but the chaos. The Hyde School is another one that they, in Bath, Maine, that they've just glanced over the top of and, you know, never really done nothing about. Plenty of information out there about complaints, but nobody's ever done nothing. That's Maine. That? Well, they're also bringing in a lot of tax money off, off the people that get sent to these places. And Maine yeah. is perfect because, I mean, Maine is like the people – I mean, Maine is a state that people forget like exists, you know. So mm-hmm. you can really get away with money. doing – What was There's that? No money in Maine. Revenue. There's no money in revenue in Maine. There's nowhere to go. They have three yeah. large cities, Lewiston, where if you go to Lewiston, you better bring your Glock. you got Portland, which is a flip of a quarter, and Augusta is another place you better have a machine gun. Because these aren't nice cities to go to, so there's nothing really, there's nothing with any ambiance or any pleasantries to go to. Lewiston's not on the ocean. The only one on the ocean is Portland, so that's only it's the only kind of nice place to go. The rest of it's just what it is. You know, the small. I have a friend from out here who, who who has a place on on an island or something. She's a woman that I swim with, uh, and she just bought a place back there, but it's on some kind of island off the coast of Maine. Um, but it always Maine is the one state I went to so many that I. I didn't get up there, but uh, you know what? I was thinking as you were talking about that you got um, with this little girl's case, like you get to the top of the heap and it's the attorney general and, and or the governor and nothing happens. And I thought of the Me Too movement, where until you uh, get you, you you know clean out the closet, so to speak, and when so everybody comes forward about Harvey Weinstein, right? But really. Right. First time they did this town hall meeting on CNN, I was shocked, and I'm sure they wanted everybody to know that in Washington they have been using our taxpayer money for these senators and and, and governor government workers to pay off sexual harassment or any kind of harass claim with our money. So we were all oh, yeah. sitting there like jaw dropping, right? And the Me Too, and, we, and then we found all this sexual predator stuff, like even, even in the Sacramento, like up there, we saw it uh, in um, downtown with the DA's office, with uh, over these two criminal attorneys that they actually sued, but they didn't go to court, you know. I mean, they paid them off seven hundred thousand dollars, but we started to see it kind of spread, as you as you both are aware. And I guess with this same abusive, uh, you know, teen schools. Um, that it, as you go up the you know, the chain, that if you have a predator at the top, which we now we're seeing is possible, then that's where it's going to stop. Nobody with we're, any compassion or a normal human being would not go after something like that. Where do, you think where do you think the predators come from? They're born predators. They get they turn into predators. They're created, and it's these abusive right. child that mold those people that they campaign so. In other words, they're, they're so happy to talk about how the dress was made, but we don't ever talk about how, who made it. You know, the, the me, camp, we, me campaign, this is a beautiful thing. If they spent that much time on child abuse, there wouldn't be child abuse. 
Right. You know, I mean, all these people grow into these people that they're having problems with, guys that don't talk, don't speak appropriately to women or do the wrong things and stuff like that, harass them. That comes from somewhere because if they had some built-in respect and, and, and courtesy for, for, for women and everybody, they wouldn't behave that way. It starts right. somewhere. You know, and very, it, very, young. Ch- very, very young. Very, very young. Sorry. Go ahead, T.J. What was that? I didn't say anything. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you wanted to jump in here. Uh, I was thinking, did you guys see um, Wild Wild Country? No. The limited limited series on um, a limited series on Netflix, which you know, at first I thought, okay, you know, obviously you would want this, what they call a one-off. This is you know a standalone documentary, but it's sort of like a platform of how do you get change, you do the work that you're doing, right? And you make a film, you give a voice to these people, and then people can use the film as a tool, right? So parents need to see this film, but there's almost like a, a way of, because there's so many abusive places, Mark, you know, I mean, I can see by the list of them. So what they did, Wild Wild Country was about a cult uh, in Oregon in the 80s, where a guy from India came it's a wild story. I guess that's why they call it Wild Wild Country. And the FBI finally went in. and It's pretty bad, but the cult still exists big time in India because you have, like, these rich American, I want to say, you know, California, la, la, you know, uh, whatever, that they, you know, want to go to these places and do crazy stuff uh, and join a cult. I'm in, I'm in the land of cults, so uh, it's, it's not fun to be here uh, in that respect. It might have nice sunshine, but there's, like, Lots of cults in California, and um, yeah, I mean, I talked to a journalist who was going to school here, and he said he had to get the hell out of here because there was so many cults. It's not just AA, right? There's like the Church of Spirituality, and then there's the yoga cult, and then there's some kind of you know Indian, you know, Eastern philosophy cult, whatever. But um, you got, you I, but my point being. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I forgot that one. <laughs> How did I do that? Scientology. <laughs> And, of course, AA embedded everywhere. But I think that my point being that this really could be a limited series. And what I've been studying, how do you change something that's so embedded in culture or something that's been hidden for so long? Um, One has to expose and tarnish the name of it. And then you have to – I mean, there's a lot of work, and I can see you've been doing it. So, I mean, there's there's just – let's see, the cold case stuff, you know – you were on the cold case of board of directors. Mm-hmm. Well, and what do yeah. you do with that? We just go over different campaigns, different ways of just trying to get results. You know, um, just basically network together. I mean, you know, we try to turn results, you know, by getting things coming to the top. But then again, you run the attorney general, so you know, you can only go so far before they stop you again. Mm. That's frustrating. It's a hard nut to crack. It's a hard nut to crack. What about newspapers? Have you has this been written up in a newspaper? And, and well, when the, when 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 investigations have happened, but otherwise these newspapers, media, they're not any help. They don't want to. They don't want to muddy their feet. They just don't want to do it. Matt Hoffman. Well, they wrote about it in the Huffington Post, I believe. What's that? Yeah, Matt, 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 they wrote about a line in the Huffington Post. Um, oh, they did. About it. Be, yeah, they did. Um, but it was it was a small article. I mean, one of the problems with this with with this industry and this the issue with these troubled teen programs is a lot of people just don't care, um, and they're focused. You know, the country right. I mean, right now this country is kind of we're having there's so much going on, you know, with racial tensions and um, you know the opioid epidemic. You know, there's so much going on that this this kind of stuff these programs just kind of get like swept under the rug, you know. Um, and people don't don't really want to. A lot of people don't want to believe that these places even exist. So don't you think though the Boston the Boston Globe that did the piece? So they have that you know the team of uh, porters at the Boston Globe, Mike Renendez, and uh, well of course Marty Baron left. He went to the uh, Washington Post, but much bigger than the Huffington Post to me is kind of a. We tried really hard. Like she's like a stepper lover. You know the woman who owned it for. Uh, I don't even like to say her name anymore, but uh, yeah. Uh, so more like really legitimate, and not that it's not legitimate, but it isn't a real newspaper that you can hold in your hand, you know. But I think the Boston yeah. Globe, 
I have, their e- I have the email. I mean, they're easy. You can find them on most any of the reporters that are good have their emails out there that they, you want to reach them. But I would reach out to Mike Renendez at the um, Boston Globe because it's up there in New England and tell them you have this film and that there's a ton of activity. And, you know, they can only say, no, I'm still dealing with what he told, you know, was dealing with the Catholic Church scandal. You know? Right. But it's right. it's still worth a try. I mean, because with me, I finally got this thing in the Orange County Register after you know years and years of trying to get a piece. Someone cover a a like not okay. It's not. It's like the rehab sober living. Yeah, great. That was that was the beginning. But you know, you want to focus on the abuse in these industry and, and the Elon and whatever else still open. Scared straight is not good. Like that show on fucking A and E. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like you think that's entertainment? I was so offended. I I mean, uh, they, they, that show is still on, I believe. Yeah, the it is. Straight show where they send yeah. the kids to jail. Yeah. Yep. I suggest I mean, you're gonna watch uh, you're gonna watch violent shows. They might watch Son of Anarchy or something. <laughs> you know. Or Game of it's, Thrones. I'd rather yeah. I'd rather watch Game of Thrones. You know, yeah. where there's some. You know, production, it's, they're really, really mean, but I just want to do another little plug. We're at the uh, 45 minute in the hour. So I am talking to T.J. Nilsson and activist Mark Babbitt uh, about the documentary film, award-winning documentary film, The Last Stop. And I want to tell you where you can find this. Uh, there is a group on Facebook for the listeners out there. It's called um, The Last Stop. Film. That's the Facebook page. Uh, of course, if you Google it, no, no, that's have, the website. Oh, the website. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah, is the website. The Last, the last Stop Film. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. Did you hear that, everybody out there? The Film.com. That is a way that you can stream it, and then there is a way you can buy the DVDs now, or that's coming, TJ. Uh, that's coming very soon, within the month. Okay, great. And, and what is it going to? If on Facebook, yeah, no, I, I, I'm sorry. Plug it. Just go ahead and plug it. Talk about everywhere, every website. I was going to say, if they go on the Alon School documentary site on Facebook, they'll also get a lot of um, stuff around the film. The documentary gives you, it kind of glazes over the top of it. It This film is just kind of just to let you know what's going on, because I think if Todd started out with the realities of the place, people would have ran out of the theater. But this can give you a little (laughs) bit of, I swear to God, if, if he would open it up like it really was, I don't. I don't know if people would have stayed and watched. There's people had problems watching it at, at the level it's at now, and it's very mild, very mild. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're appalled. Yeah, you know, I couldn't sleep that night. The film is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think I had. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe I, I said it to Mark, but I couldn't sleep that night. I was so disturbed and and angry about what happened, and oh, I yeah. knew that I've known people who've sent their kids. Too, there's a place in Hawaii, and then you know, is it Mi- Mila um, who works on uh, Maya? My, my, no, 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 Maya not Curry. Maya, the actress. Uh, she's on Family Guy. Mila, Mila Kunis. Oh. Mila Kunis. Did you see the film that she, it was an abusive place in Hawaii? Yeah, it was like boot camp. Yeah, the, I think it was called boot camp. Right, but it was very, you know, compared to what you're telling me, you know, it was sort of. But also reaching out to that actress through social media and telling her, like, if you've seen it, thank her. Um, I made this documentary. We'd like to see it. I'd like you to see it. Um, maybe you would endorse it, tell other people about it. Maybe somebody would make it into a fictionalized narrative. Because the, the more, I mean, that, that the story gets told, uh, then more people see it, even like millions more. Even if you have a really successful doc, once it gets uh, put into you know, a fictionalized form, then it becomes entertainment, right? And people want to see it at another level. And then they can get really real. I mean, if you can make Game of Thrones and you can make some of these other violent, um, you know, shows, they could, you could tell the truth about this. This would be, that'd be relatively disgusting to watch because you, it's a never ending thing. There's, there are really no happy moments. There's no two kids sitting Mm -hmm. out on the porch. Reminiscing because if you got caught talking alone to somebody else, you get in trouble. There was no one I want. Like in other words, Todd and me could never just sit someplace and just chat. That would that didn't go on. At least not when I was there. So uh, you were so you were separate. Yeah, you were an alien in your own world. It was just it was crazy. If you if you did want to talk to somebody, you would have to have somebody be there to listen to you. A str- uh, somebody that's in a higher position in the program um, yeah. that's more trusted. They'd have to listen. They'd have to 
listen to your conversation if you wanted to talk to somebody else. Uh, and like if you an didn't ad- get somebody to listen to you, then you would then you would get in trouble. You know, like in all documentaries and stuff like that, there's always that, that lull where they go into something nice to kind of slow it down a bit for the for the crowd. A lot never slowed down. It's like turning on a fight, watching it, and watching the next film come out next week. <laughs> the fight just continues. It's like a yeah, it is. It's it's hard to describe. Now, do you have a place, like a blog, like, you know, I have a leaving AA. People, you know, are coming to there, and it was just a straight-up WordPress blog where people can find you. If you Google, this is public, not even like Facebook where you have to find the group. Tell us where people can find, I mean, I know already, but I want for our listeners, where can, if they were a victim of uh, being in a place like this, uh, abusive teen industry, I don't know what to call it. What's your, yeah. Where do, where do you go where, to find you guys and other support? You can go on. Can well, go on I, our Facebook group is is, is one. I, I, if anybody wants to learn more about Alan or or and kind of see the how people who went through this kind of program interact with each other, uh, everybody's welcome in our group um, to to you know kind of you know see what's going on, um, and everybody is very supportive. Um, it, it can get a little, it can get a little heated. People arguing back and forth, but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of information on there, and uh, um, I know there's some other websites for for people that that uh, went through these programs. A big organization, uh, SIA, the Survivors of Institutional Abuse, uh, they have a website, and um, they're one of the biggest advocacy groups for uh, this sort of thing. Okay, so I'm. I'm yeah, go ahead, Mark. So I just want, let me plug it again so people who are listening. Elan and all survivors of abusive treatment is one. And then I think, don't you have Elan survivors too? Is like simple, like another group called Elan survivors? Those are Mark survivors, yeah. Elan survivors incorporated. I got, I got like six, six, six pages, six different groups. But you get into any one of them, just send me a message and I'll connect you with whatever you want to go to. I also okay, have straight so- incorporated. Yes, okay. I want to just let everybody, uh, okay, so we go to uh, Mark Babbitt. His name is spelled M-A-R-K-B-A-B-I-T-Z. I-T. For anybody listening yep. out there, uh, go to Facebook, and you can friend Mark and talk to him, and then Elan and All Survivors of Abuse. And that last one, Todd, which was S-I, uh, S-I-A? S-I-A, Survivors of Institutional Abuse, yeah. Okay, that's uh, good for people to know. Really, really, really tragic. Um, we have about uh, you know eight minutes left. What is a little time for both of you? Just talk about whatever you would like to say uh, to the world, to parents, uh, anybody. Mark, you can go first. The parents really need to, to just be aware, as more than anything else, to be aware, research what you're going to do next, take the next step, go see the place, touch the place, feel the place, and just show up. Don't, don't tell them you're coming. Just show up, you know, and and get your own 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 thoughts on what you're going to do because a lot of mistakes are made on paper that you know, boy, it looks great. Well, who the hell's going to drive from Chicago to Maine to see if the place is nice? Nobody is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it, it, we, we, we thankfully have the computers now to where we can look at this stuff. I urge a, I urge people in AA, the survivors of AA, to come into our groups. You know, you got sexual harassment in your groups. Bring bring that over to our groups. Let us help you handle that. Because we have ways of, of, of dealing with people that are very legal, very legitimate, but they will not walk in the food store. They will wear a mask because they don't want to be exposed. That's one of our biggest strong points is we expose people pretty heavily. Oh, and if you wow. have people like if you have people like that, give them to us. Nobody's going to beat them up. Nobody's going to put them in the trunk of a car. We will, yeah. It will be worse. We will make them just shameful of everything they ever thought of saying. Because, you know, in those groups, I mean, you have you, you have people that are weak at that point in their life, and they're looking for yeah. companionship and some type of bonding with somebody who they think understands. And they're not, right. you know, their vision's work, you know, and that's in any kind of group. You're in survivor groups are the same way. We, mm-hmm. Matt Hoffman, we, we, don't, we don't do anything outside of be gentlemen with the women of survivors because these people, we know all the secrets. We know. It's too easy to take advantage of, and it wouldn't be right. It's abuse. And if it goes against exactly what we do, we, we, fight, we fight abuse. You know, and, and the AA people, they should come around. We're their friends. A lot of the people in our groups are also have issues with alcohol and drugs still. So you're not in a strange room. Nobody's, nobody's staring at you. But there's companionship yeah. there. We're all over the United States, so it's not like you can't find a friend nearby. They'll help right, you out. Right. And a lot of people are successful. We have money. We have jobs. We're not bust outs. 
you know, we're not people, we're just, you know, street people. We're, we're real people that will help you. We'll do whatever we can for you at least. You know, yeah. Let me. Have you, you ever had a live, like a like a reunion, like a where people you did something now that for, because of Facebook, there's so many where you did a, a meetup or something in one city. Oh yeah, every one of our documentaries. Well, well the screenings. Have, we've had a lot, we've had a few screenings, and everybody comes together, and uh, it's really cool meeting people from different eras and in person and being able to talk to them. And people from Milan or any any uh, institution like this, uh, you you get a you have a, a connection. It's it's like you know it's it's just it's just snaps uh, because you went through something very similar, and that's what it is for us. It's a, it's basically a reunion. We all know what happened a lot. We don't have to see it on a big screen. We know we right. got it. Right, right. Get together after all these years of people you haven't met or maybe met on the internet or were there with, like Todd said, right. it's, it's many a mini Elon reunion, and we've had straight people yeah. come and other people. Everybody's welcome, but it's a, it's a it's it's like a reunion except we celebrate with the with the film. You know, yeah. You know, one thing. Yeah. One thing I want to say. Um, uh, it's it's very important. I mean, we can talk about how horrible Elon was on and on and on. I mean, the that that's that's obvious. But there were also, um, especially during my time, as Elon started to change, uh, there were a lot of people that were also that that didn't need help, and the program did help them by kind of opening their minds. To being, you know, to kind of being honest with themselves, um, and it's very important that, as as abusive as as some of these places were, that we do need places for people to go to get help, you know. And there there are programs out there that people can go to to get help. Um, you know, I do yeah. agree. It's very important. I mean, people, people. Yeah, there's um, if you're. There's not a lot. That the problem is, is finding which ones are just completely controlled by 12-step that are with it with alcohol and drugs. 99%. I didn't know it was so high, or just all about 12-step, and they pretend they're not. But you know, there are some. But I'm trying to, in my investigation, to find places that aren't, and I am finding places that aren't. I have a friend now working in a place in Florida that is a real treatment center, a real detox. They don't push. Uh, just AA, they have smart recovery, they have CBT. Um, but the idea that somebody has to go to these places for many months is not true. And when you guys were talking, if you had a kid who had cancer, you would not send them on a plane somewhere that you have not seen for treatment. You would go with your family, you would go see the hospital, you would meet the doctors together. And so this throwing away of kids or shipping your children off to a place that you don't know who the hell they're going with. Like, there was one kid who's dead now. I was talking to the mother, and this guy has a bunch of sober living in um, West Hollywood, and I clicked on the website. There is no bio for him. There is no staff. You click on staff, and there's nothing. Right. They're goals. You know, and making it. making millions, dude. You know, making millions. Well, so, not, I mean, so yeah. Like, like Todd, it's so appropriate to name the, the documentary, The Last Stop. That's what... It was deemed that for many parents, the last stop, my last resort, a lot of school or a place like that. That's what parents, and a lot of these kids got tied up in the court system, so the parents really never got a view on it. It was just, it was one of those last places before jail. You know, people say, okay. <laughs> they, just, they turn blind eyes to it. You know, on paper, yeah, a lot of One of the goals should be in the, in the future, um, we can go after these programs as much as we want and shut down these places and, and put people out of, out of business. But I think the goal should also be changing these places and making them work and making them better and, and healthier for people that, that do need help. Uh, because, again, a lot of people do need, do need help, and they, and, they need, and they need it soon. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, think, I, guess, um, I think we need reform. We need absolute reform yeah. with uh, drug treatment and mental health treatment, but it's reform. So I think some places are uh, too bad that they should be shut down, and we need regulations. So if, they, if there's more regulations for a nail salon – than there is for a treatment center. That's insane, and that's what's going right. on in California. But that's another story. And, and but I, I want to thank you I both. Think... Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish because we're we're like. Well, I was, was going to say I, I don't think I don't think any of this is uh, is going to really start to change until this country takes a different look at mental health and how and how we look at mental health. Um, we don't take it seriously. We don't put much funding towards it. We don't talk about it during elections. It never comes up. Um, it's still very taboo to be considered to 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 have issues, 
You know what I mean? Well, it's really um, talked about. It's a lot of money. Huge millions of dollars have been dumped in that area. If you don't know it, I've been following it for seven, eight years. So Obama started it, and it, it, the money's there. And 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 even Trump, um, they funded millions and millions. I think it's like it's a large number um, for mental health and drug uh, treatment. But as, as long as you have AA in control of those places, that ideology, you're going to have a lot of more people dead. So we need reform. We need medicine. We need therapists there with with name, you know letters after their names. Not so I'm going to use sober 12 years. So now I'm an expert. I don't want that kind of person who had breast cancer now working on me, right? I want a real doctor. But I want to thank you both. We're out of time. I want to thank you. We'd just do it again. Uh, T.J. Nelson and activist Mark Babbitt, and the film is called The Last Stop. And you can find them all on Facebook. If you Google it, it's on IMDb. But you can find it and stream it and purchase it that way. And soon you'll be able to buy a DVD. Thank you, guys. We'll see you all thank you. next time. Thank you, Monica. Thank, thank you, Monica. Take I care. Have a great day. Have a great... Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm Monica Richardson. And just to plug for the 13th step, it's still out there. It's on Amazon and Vimeo. I look forward to seeing you. If anybody is, needs help leaving AA, find me at leavingaa.com, the blog, or find me on Facebook, uh, but probably the blog, and uh, it's the better way for the beginning. Take care, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>